Uh, but I want to look at 2 Peter, just one verse tonight, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, we're going to look at this verse uh, and then kind of talk about some promises from God uh, and uh, see if we can dig into his word tonight. Uh, but 2 Peter 1, 4 says this, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I'll read it again. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being with us already tonight. Thank you for the testimonies and songs tonight. Lord, I ask that you'd help me tonight to preach. Lord, uh, use me, uh, Lord, and also help me to get out of the way. And Lord, the Holy Spirit would do the teaching. Lord, that uh, open up our ears and our hearts for your word. Challenge us tonight and help us to draw closer to you. Lord, we want to understand you a little more tonight. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name and amen. So uh, we, a couple weeks ago, there was a, a men's breakfast on a Saturday morning at Centerburg, uh, and I heard Bob was going to be there uh, speaking, so I, I, I was able to make it. It's been a couple weekends ago, uh, but one of the themes of that prayer, uh, men's prayer breakfast, was uh, promises of God, and uh, ever since uh, that I had been thinking about uh, some of God's promises and thinking about uh, some of the ones in God's word. And it was just running through my mind. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, you know, Kenny Ferguson that, that used to go here, uh, he did something very interesting that night. He, he, he printed off, I think he said, 40 different promises from God, laminated them and handed them out. We really had each of us pick them kind of uh, draw from the pile, and we each got one, you know, kind of like this one, uh, and we read them and kind of thought about the ones that each of us got, but it, it got me thinking, hearing a lot of those common promises that we know. I mean, it was nothing uh, nothing really groundbreaking or anything, but just kind of reminding uh, us of the promises, but one of the things that really caught me and really uh, got my mind going, even during the prayer breakfast and then afterward, uh, is that is that really there are two types of promises in God's word. And uh, uh, I, I want to talk about them some tonight and kind of break it out. Uh, but one of the, uh, the word's a little big, but one of the types of promises is an unconditional promise. Uh, and it's just all that's saying uh, is there's nothing we have to do for God to fulfill the promises. There's no conditions you have to fulfill. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. One of the famous ones is God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. That's also explained in the book of Hebrews. Uh, and that's one of, uh, you know, where God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand, which is upon the seashore. You know, that, that promise where he's saying, I'm going to make you a great nation. And remember, God uh, said it to him multiple times and kind of reminded Abraham over the years. Uh, and then Hebrews 6.13 says this, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. 
And that, that's an interesting statement right there because you and I, when we, if we're going to get to an agreement with something or a contract, you know, you're going to, one person's going to make an offer, the other one's going to accept and you're going to exchange. You know, maybe one person does something and the other person pays for it. But there, there's usually exchange back and forth. Uh, but what happens is if one party doesn't do their end of the contract or the bargain, then you don't have to either, right? You can walk away from it. You know, sometimes they get lawyers involved and everything else. But, uh, you know, if I don't pay you, you're not going to do what, what you promised to do when I paid you. It's, it's just that simple. See, but that's not an unconditional promise. That, uh, that's the, the kind of promises we think of. Uh, but here's the thing. God didn't enter into an agreement with Abraham that day. You know, and, uh, and, and also I think about, remember when he cut apart the animals in two halves and, he, and the smoking furnace and the burning lamp went between the pieces? That was in that day how they signified uh, ratifying a contract together, entering into an agreement in that day. And again, Abraham didn't latch hands with God and walk through the pieces because Abraham wasn't making a bargain with God. Because if Abraham was... And Abraham messed up. God wouldn't have to multiply his seed. He wouldn't have to make him a great nation. He wouldn't have to do any of those things. But God said, that's why I didn't make the agreement with Abraham. I made the agreement with myself. And I swore by myself. And the God that cannot lie. And the God that cannot change his mind. Made the agreement with himself. And it didn't matter what Abraham did or didn't do. God was going to multiply his seed and bless him. And make him a great nation. That's one of the great, like I said, a, a a great unconditional promise. In fact, it didn't matter what Abraham did or didn't do. And it, in fact, it didn't matter that Abraham died. That promise is still being fulfilled today. God is still making good on that. He's still, and, and you realize that multiplying the seed and, and starting that nation and everything else and the devil has tried to eliminate the Jews how many times over the years and has been never been successful and he never will. I like the second half of that verse, or the second half of verse, uh, uh, sorry, of Hebrews 13, 5. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Again, no matter what we do or what we don't do, no matter what happens, no matter what circumstances in life, no matter what trial or storm or anything else, God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Again, an unconditional promise. God said, I will do that no matter what. I'm not abandoning you. Praise God, that's an unconditional promise. Because if it wasn't, I'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? If there was something that would allow God to get out of salvation, then I would be in trouble. And then there's so many more unconditional promises about really all the ones about judgment in the future, all the ones about the Lord's return, all the ones about the rapture of the church. Those are all unconditional promises. And you're thinking, well, wait, why? Why would they be? Are you sure about that? Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything you and I can do can speed up or slow down the Lord coming back? No. Is there anything we can do to speed up or slow down or prevent or force God to come and call? his church home no those are his promises he said he would do it and he will one day don't you believe that praise God we can find comfort from so many of them 
But when the time is right and when the, the hour comes and when the day comes and everything else, all these things will happen because, again, I've already said it, God cannot lie. He's not going to change his mind. Uh, he's not going to do anything else. He, is, he will make good on every promise. But those are the unconditional ones. Those, those are the easy ones. We just read it and we believe it and say, praise God for it. But now let's look at the other half, the conditional promises. These are the other promises in the Bible where you have to do something or don't do something. And the easiest ones to find have that little word if in it. You've heard of that word, right? If you do something then, or if you don't do something then, all those promises, then they don't have to have the words if or them. But a lot of times, if they're not in there, they're implied in there. But it says if you, you do this and God will do that, or if you don't do that, God won't or will do something. Uh, but uh, I like Romans 10, 9. I don't know about you. This is a conditional promise right here. That if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, then you could put the then right there. Thou shall be saved. If you do that, you can find salvation, praise God. But isn't it sad that so many people won't go through the conditions, right? They won't fulfill the conditions. They're trying to find salvation some other way. And God said, that's the only way. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How about this one? Jesus said this in John 15, 10. If ye keep my commandments... Ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Ooh, that's a hard one. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Again, that's Jesus. How about 1 John 1, 8 and 9? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like those, don't you? There's two conditional promises. In fact, that second half of chapter 1 of 1 John is full of these. Uh, he, it's over and over again. Uh, he has these conditional promises. That first one in, in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There are so many today. And he, this is a promise from God. He's saying, hey, if you want to find someone that's spiritually in deception, that doesn't know the truth, that thinks they know the truth, thinks they know all these things, if they act like they have no sin, the word's not in them, right? The truth's not in them. And I'm using some of the other verses in that same passage, but he, he says it twice in that little passage right there. But that's a conditional. And then if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse. I don't know about you. If we confess our sins, if we go to him and confess our sins, it says he's faithful. He will do it, right? He's not unfaithful. He's faithful and just that's huge right there because see what some would say is if you know if somebody commits a crime and then they are found guilty but then they don't have to do the crime or the punishment for that crime what would we say that's not just that's not justice that's an injustice right that's what we would call it 
Oh, but what does God say right here? He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You think about that. Well, how could he do that? How could he be just in forgiving us and just wiping that slate clean? Why? Because of Jesus Christ. That's what made it just. He paid for the sin. He paid the penalty so we can come to him. We can confess our sins. And I don't know about you. I'm forgiven. Right, I, At the age of nine years old, I called on Jesus' name for forgiveness of sins. Now, I wish I could stand here and tell you I never sinned after that, but I'd be lying. I get dirty. And then we got to go back to him. What do we got to do? Sometimes we got to confess some things and say, Lord, I need cleaned up. Right? What was he doing? He was washing feet, wasn't he? He said, I don't need to wash. Uh, Peter, we don't need to wash your whole body, but your feet are getting a little dirty right now walking in this world. Amen. Oh, but this, if the last part of this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, when I saw that a couple years ago, when I really grabbed a hold of the last part of that verse, I realized even the sins I've forgotten, even the ones I didn't confess, he says, I'm cleansing you from all unrighteousness. Praise God. What an amazing, but again, These are conditional, right? God does not have to do anything if you don't meet the conditions of these promises. That's the sad part. He won't do it. He won't forgive. And it's not just. He is unjust in forgiving sins if someone won't confess through Jesus Christ. It's unjust and he won't do that. Here's another one. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, it's sad. A lot of Christians are missing godly wisdom or discernment. Uh, Bob Bernie loves to call it discernment. We're, we're missing that, actually taking the word and applying it and living it out. It's the whole thing, not just a head knowledge, but using it. Wisdom is actually putting it in, in practice. He's saying, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Three ways at the end of this verse, he says, I will give you wisdom if you ask me. He wants to make it crystal clear, I will give it to all men liberally that ask I won't upbraid I'm not going to hold anything back and it shall be given him he's making it clear but guess what it's a conditional promise if you never ask God for godly wisdom you won't get it that's it second chronicles seven fourteen. we love this one if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will i hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear heal their land don't we wish our country would seize this promise don't we wish that we could just see a humbling in our nation and prayer in our nation and seeking the face of God through Jesus Christ not some made up God or some wishy-washy God and don't we wish they turned from their wicked ways then we could hear from heaven and our land would find healing but we shouldn't be surprised when our land can't find healing and the, the wickedness is multiplying in our land why? because we refuse 
refuse as a nation to humble ourselves. We're prouder than ever. We refuse to pray. And I'm not talking about the real church. I'm talking about the wide, uh, the wide open country. They refuse to pray in Jesus' name, although pray to some made up thing, but not to the real God. And they refuse to seek his face. And they definitely refuse to see turn from their wicked ways. In fact, they don't want us to say anything about their wickedness. And that's why we can't find healing. Because God said, you want healing in a land, you will do this, and that's how you get healing. And that's why we can't find it. And we won't until we meet the conditions of the promise. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Those are the three conditions. And he shall direct thy paths. That's what you get from it. You want direction from God, true direction. You've got to trust him with all your heart. You can't lean under your own understanding. You've got to set aside your own logic. That's the hard one for me. And in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And then he will direct your paths. And that's the thing. Are we lacking direction? That's what you have to stop and ask yourself. Are you, are you lacking direction because you won't stop leaning on your own understanding? Or, or, you know, what's the problem? Because either God's promise is not true or we're not meeting it. And I tend to say we're just not meeting it. It's the problem. We're not meeting the conditions. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come unto me. And this is the one. This is the one I got. Uh, I picked randomly out of the pile. I say randomly chucking, chuckling because this is the one that the Lord knew I needed. Uh, uh, this is Jesus. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That's a conditional promise as well. That's the one I got. And what happens if you're not getting rest? And I'm talking about spiritual rest. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm not talking about just uh, getting rid of your responsibilities and not doing God's will. No, I'm talking about being in the center of God's will and still finding rest in the Lord. If you can't find that, it's because he's saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know what happens a lot of times? I'm carrying my yoke that needs to be also yoked up with Jesus Christ, right? And, and because he says, my, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And you can tell what, uh, you know, if you, back in those days with animals, they put that yoke in it. It would uh, put two oxen or two animals together and they'd put one that's experienced with one that wasn't experienced. And the one that was experienced would teach the one. Now it tried to buck against the yoke, but it couldn't. But suddenly it would learn eventually how it was supposed to go and the direction and the speed and everything else. Guess what? We're the one bucking against the Lord but I'm telling you what, if we just would just go his pace and go his direction and go where he leads us, we'll find rest. But that's hard because we want to solve things our way, right? Lord, let me take care of this part and you can take care of that part. No, 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 no. He says, take my yoke upon you. Are we carrying our own yoke or are we yoked up with the Lord? Philippians 4.9, uh, we're almost done. Those things uh, which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And uh, I, I can't remember who had that one, but I heard that when I said, my goodness. Let me read it to you again. Uh, Philippians 4.9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me 
do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And I thought, my goodness, the condition is that one little word, do. Do you notice that? He's saying, you want the peace of God with you? You've got to do the things you've learned in Christ, do the things you've received, do the things you've heard, do the things you've seen. That's what he's saying. You want to find that real peace, you've got to do what God's called you to do, do what God's word has us to do, and you'll find peace. But without it, you will not. It's a little word, but it's a lot there. It's hard. It's hard to do. And we're not going to perfectly do everything God's called us to do. But that is not an excuse to just give up and say, I'm not going to try. I think a lot of Christians are missing out on peace on God for a couple reasons. And they're all conditional promises, whether it's this one or other ones. But again, I've just picked out a, a handful in God's word, but there are tons of promises in God's word. It is filled. In fact, you can't read a chapter of God's word without finding promises in it. You can't. And most of them are conditional promises. So when I started thinking about that, uh, you know, I thought, you know, uh, uh, it's the time of, you know, people get New Year's resolutions. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I say make your resolution whenever, uh, make the change whenever. But if you need a, a good time to make a change, then pick New Year's. That's fine. Or pick tomorrow. Uh, you know, you're almost there. Uh, but uh, I hope that as uh, even before New Year's, maybe you're like me and you've got a couple days off work, maybe some extra time and vacation days or whatever, holidays or, or different things like that. I, I hope you can get into God's word a little more and as you do that, and maybe maybe this year you're going to jump on uh, and take the challenge that many of us have and, and read through the entire Bible from one cover to the other. If you've never done that, this would be a great year to do that. I'm telling you, uh, I, I heard someone else on Facebook was saying they're going to do it. And I told them you will never regret doing that. You'll never regret reading the entire Bible all the way through. But whether you're doing that the first time or, or the millionth time uh, or whether you're just digging into the Bible a little bit more, I want to challenge us to do something and look for promises as we go through the Bible. Look for them. And maybe mark them, maybe with a certain color highlighter if you do things like that, or write them down in a notebook or something like that. Uh, uh, but uh, here's the thing. I believe, here's what I believe, and this is based on my own life, so a survey of one. I believe that we underuse the promises of God. I believe there are more promises in that Bible that we don't use than ones we do. Don't you? Let's go back to the first verse we read tonight. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Do you see what the beginning of that verse says? Now you think about all the promises that you rely on day after day in your life. All the promises, not just the ones to know that you're saved, but all the different promises that, that help us in our daily life. And think about this. If you were to explain to somebody all the promises of God that you are able to use in your life, would you say what Peter said right here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises? Or 
because we're only really holding on to, to not a whole lot of them, but just some of them that we can remember or think of or some of the ones we actually are comfortable fulfilling the conditions or are we really saying whereby are given unto us a handful of average and mediocre and just of enough promises to get us by? Because I think we're closer to that a lot of times. He's saying exceeding great and precious promises. And I want to challenge us uh, in in the days to come and the next year, as long as God lets us tarry. I I believe uh, that that we need to, as we're getting into God's word, because we need to get into it every day anyway, we need to be finding these promises and then figuring out how we can nail them down and use them in our day-to-day life as much as possible. Because I believe once we start doing that, God will show us that he will make good on all of these. I think it's hard to believe for us sometimes, but he will make good on all of these things. Now, imagine this. When you got saved, you did what the Bible says to get saved. And remember the feeling when God did his part. And now think about every other time you've trusted in a a promise of God and God did his part. Now imagine that feeling being multiplied over and over again because you're getting more promises and putting more of them to use. It's like a whole big old toolbox that we're finally using all of them and not just grabbing out one or two. I think we need to work on this coming year to take hold of these exceeding great and precious promises. I'm challenging myself as well because there's so much that God has promised His church, His people, that I think sometimes we're just letting it go away. Letting it slip away. But you know what? This is the year we grab hold on it. And let's really see who God is. And let's really see the power of God. And guess what? The power of God's not in us. I don't care how spiritual we think we are. The power of God is in his word and is in him. And we get strong when we are weak and needy and say, God, I can't do this on my own. But you said we latch hold on it that's where we have strength right I must decrease and he will increase after that praise God I'm going to ask everyone to stand tonight